Revelation chapter 2 on page 1028. We're continuing in this series in Revelation. We're continuing from verse 8 to 11. Before I read this, can I just say uh, thank you for having me these uh, two weeks. Um, Thanks for putting up with me. Uh, It's been uh, great to, to meet some of you. We'll be sticking around uh, afterwards for a little bit, so please do come and say hi to, to me and my wife Bethany and uh, my daughter Lydia. But Revelation chapter 2, starting at verse 8. Let's listen to God's word. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. This is the word of God. Uh, Let me pray for God's help as we consider it. Lord God, uh, please help us by your Spirit today. Uh, Wake us up to see the reality of this world and the reality of who Jesus is and how he reigns over all and We pray that uh, your word would not just be mere words to us, but you would drive them into our hearts so that we may be more faithful to Christ. And in his name we pray. Amen. Why has Jesus abandoned his church? Jesus, where are you? Uh, Those could so easily be the words on the lips of the church in the Middle East and in Asia and in parts of Africa. In these parts of the world, like Afghanistan and and North Korea, uh, being a Christian can be a matter of life and death. It can mean living a life underground, uh, on edge. Armed forces could burst into your meeting any time. All because they follow Jesus. The world squeezes and crushes and tramples the church, taking punch after punch to the point that Christians, Christians can think, why has Jesus abandoned his church? Jesus, where are you in all of this? It's just easier to, to not be a Christian. And that isn't too far from, uh, from home for us either. The church anywhere, including Leeds, feels the pressure of the world. You know that feeling in your job? Uh, uh, where it would just be easier if I wasn't a Christian. Do you know that feeling? The feeling of my my friendships would be less awkward if I wasn't a Christian. School would be so much easier if I was like everyone else. That feeling is the same pressure from the world, squeezing and crushing and trampling the church. Now, uh, Leeds may not be Afghanistan, but but it's the same effect. Uh, And that's what's going on in Smyrna here. And it's bad. Uh, This church in Smyrna is in modern-day Turkey, so not too far from Ephesus that we saw last week. Uh, And this church is going through real hardship. 
there's serious persecution, and, and that's the, the tribulation in verse 9. Uh, they're getting crushed and crippled by the world and Roman authorities. And this has meant taking a big financial punch. That's the poverty spoken of in verse 9. Their jobs and their livelihoods have taken a big hit. It's meant prison. That's mentioned in verse 10. And not only that, that, that the threat of death looms over them. The shadow of death looms over this church. And here in the, in the book of Revelation, we're looking at the second letter of seven letters uh, to seven real churches. And, each, and in each of these letters, uh, Jesus zooms in on one church and opens up that church to see how they're really doing. So you can think of these, each of these letters as kind of a, a spiritual health check or a diagnosis on each church to see how they're doing. And, and some are good, uh, some are bad, some are mixed. But with this church, Jesus uh, opens it up, gets his, his surgical gloves on, peeks inside, and he sees scars and bruises and blood. This church is battered and bruised and broken. And why? Well, the world, the Roman authorities, city officials, Satan himself is hitting this church and it's bad. The word so easily on their lips is, why has Jesus abandoned us? Jesus, where are you? And to this, Jesus speaks directly to them in this letter. And the first thing he says to them is not about them, it's not about their suffering, but about himself. And this is what we need to hear. And look what he says in verse 8. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. Jesus speaks to John, the apostle, and says to John, John, write this down. Write what I'm about to tell you. Write it down and send it to the church. And tell them this, I am the first and the last who died and came to life. And this is the first of big three, thing, uh, three big things uh, Jesus says today. And this is the first. I am the first and the last. So John is having a vision of Jesus here in Revelation. And Jesus is in heaven. And Jesus is inspecting and overseeing these seven churches. And it's seven because that's the number of completion. So it's kind of like you put all these letters together and you get a picture of the complete church and a letter for the whole church. So th these letters, this letter today is speaking to us. And Jesus says to John, John, write down what I'm about to tell you and send it to the church in Smyrna. Well, actually, it says in verse 8, send it to the angel of the church in Smyrna. And this angel is likely a, a heavenly representative of the church. But it is sent to the actual church in Smyrna. And what is the first thing this battered, bruised, and broken church needs to hear? Verse 8, these are the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. These are Jesus', uh, Jesus um, emergency opening words to them. As this church lies barely conscious on the roadside, Jesus is like the paramedic rushing over saying, quickly, before, the, before anything else is said, hear this. I am the first and the last who died and came to life. Now, uh, this sounds a bit odd, doesn't it? Jesus is the first and the last. What does that mean? Well, Jesus is saying here, I am eternal. 
I have no beginning. I have no end. I'm above all time. I'm above all history and creation. All time and history is held together by me. Uh, So you can imagine, uh, imagine a big bookshelf, huge. uh, And on it, there are loads of big, thick books, a whole row of them. uh, And in these books are written uh, all of history, volume after volume. Uh, The whole of creation, the whole story of creation is written in these books. All all the way from, from God creating the heavens and the earth all the way up to to new creation and unending glory. All of it is written in these books. Uh, And on each end of these volumes is a bookend, holding it all together. And without these bookends, all these books just crumble and fall apart and just collapse. And Jesus is saying, I am the bookends. I hold all of this together. I am over and above history I'm in charge of it. It exists because of me. I was before history. Before it began, I was the first. I am the first. And I always will be. I am the last. And I hold all of this together. All things begin and end because of me. I tell history what to do. I'm in charge of all of this. And so Jesus raises up kings and presidents, and prime ministers, and governments, and he throws them down as well. He controls all the details of this world, and he's in charge of all the details of your life. No one is like him. No power can compare to him. No power is a challenge or a surprise to him. All the powers of sin, and the devil, and demons, and spiritual forces, and earthly forces, and governments, all of that together are nothing to him. He's in utter control of them. He is the first and the last. If you're not a Christian here today, you may have heard some things about Jesus. Maybe you heard that he's a wise teacher or that he encouraged peace and love. Well, what can I say? That's barely scratching the surface. This is who Jesus says he is. He's not just about speaking wise things and being nice to each other. He says, I am the eternal Lord. I have power over all history. You exist because of me. I am the first and the last. And then Jesus highlights something specific that he's in charge of in verse 8. In verse 8 he says, The words of the first and the last who died and came to life. Jesus is in charge of death. Jesus died and he came to life again. And in that resurrection, he annihilated the power of death. Death has been ended in Jesus. In fact, if you look back to chapter 1, verse 18, Jesus, Jesus says, I have the keys of death and Hades. So Jesus hasn't just defeated death. Jesus, Jesus owns death. He controls death. He he controls who dies in this world. He gives life and he takes it away. Uh, There's a saying that we use in our family, and you might have heard it. Uh, The saying is this, you are immortal until God says otherwise. You are immortal until God says otherwise. Uh, Do you understand that? Uh, And it's true. Uh, There's no force out there that can take your life outside of Jesus's control. Not a hair can drop from your head. Your life cannot end until Jesus says so. So death, 
isn't a force out there uh, that's out of control, that, that's kind of devouring things and like it's out of God's hands, uh, like God's trying to contain an oil spill, but, but, but death keeps seeping out. No, Jesus is in charge. And that also means he's in charge of what happens after death. Jesus seals your fate. He opens or closes the door of eternal life to you. He's in charge of the resurrection. He, he grants eternal life in the new creation. Or for those who don't believe in him, he grants eternal death. And it's all in his hands. Jesus is the first and the last who died and came to life. These are the emergency words for a battered and bruised and broken church. They need to hear this because persecution and death is looming over them. And Jesus knows that. And he says, before I say anything else, know this, I am in complete control. I am the first and the last. And then he continues, look at verse 9. He says to this church, I know your tribulation and your poverty. I know your tribulation and your poverty. And and this is the second big thing Jesus says. I know your suffering. I know your suffering. So Jesus opens up and, and looks at this church, speaks to them and says, I know your tribulation and your poverty. I know. I know all that you've been going through. I know all that's coming your way. And and look what they've been going through. In verse 9, it says tribulation. That's just another word for for trouble and suffering. And this isn't suffering in the sense of natural suffering, like illness or tragedy. But but this is suffering from the outside. This is tribulation from, from Roman authorities and governments. Smyrna, uh, for a bit of a history lesson, Smyrna was under Roman rule. And a part of Roman society was you had to worship and sacrifice to the Roman emperor Caesar. So the emperor wasn't like a a prime minister like we have. Uh, No, you you had to, he was treated more like a, a god that you had to worship. And obedience to the emperor meant sacrificing to him like a god. So there was actually a temple in Smyrna where you went and had to sacrifice things to the emperor. So that was a legal requirement to do that, kind of just like paying taxes. And when you hear that, what do you think a Christian should think about that? Well, what's the first commandment? You shall have no other gods before me. A Christian cannot do that. But if you didn't do that... There could be really bad consequences. In this city, you you could be banned from trading. Basically, you're economically cut off from society. And that's likely the situation here. That's why Jesus says, I know your poverty. They're likely living in squalor because they're not willing to worship the emperor. And some may have been thrown into prison, or at least are about to be. In verse 10, Jesus says, behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. The police and the courts are getting involved. Things are really heating up for this church. And something is triggering all this. These Christians are being reported to the authorities. So in verse 9, Jesus says, I know the slander of those who say that they're Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. There were likely Jews who didn't like the Christians. Uh, They didn't 
like that they, they claim that they had the Messiah and they're the true Israel. And so these Jews reported the Christians to the authorities. Uh, and now uh, the Jews had a legal exemption, so they didn't have to sacrifice, but the Christians didn't. And so there were some Jews who, who dobbed them in, grassed them up. And, and they made them out to be like they were up to no good, like they were rebelling against the emperor, like they, like they were stirring up a resistance, which just wasn't true. When they refused to sacrifice the emperor, they're not trying to disturb peace or, or cause an uprising. They're just not bowing down to that god. And that's likely why it's called slander, that, and that's why they're called a synagogue of Satan, that they'd been spreading lies, just like... Satan is the father of lies. And so this church is getting battered, all for the sake of Jesus, all because they're not willing to bow the knee to the emperor. And Jesus sees that and says to them, I know, I know your tribulation and your poverty. I know the slander and the bad mouthing you've received. I know about your imprisonment. I know that this could end in death. I know and I haven't forgotten you. I haven't lost control here. I know your pain. And Jesus also says he knows the future. Did you see that in verse 10? In verse 10, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and for for 10 days you will have tribulation. This isn't a surprise to Jesus. He knows what's coming on. Uh, He knows what's about to happen. He knows what the future holds. Uh, He knows all the events that are about to hit the church. So uh, nothing that comes our way, uh, whether it be persecution to you, uh, tribulation, uh, ravages on the church, uh, whatever it is, Jesus knows what's coming. He knows our future. And he knows something else. He knows the reality behind all this suffering. He knows what's behind it all. Look again at verse 10. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. The devil is behind this. So although the the Roman authorities are the ones arresting them and throwing them into prison, look how Jesus describes it. The devil is about to do it. So what really is persecution? What is that pressure we feel in our lives? Jesus says it's attacks by the devil to destroy and discourage the church. It's the devil using governments and authorities and people of influence to target the church and to squeeze and crush her. And by doing this, uh, the devil presents the church with, with two options. Bow down to your God or bow down to the emperor. Choose the commandments of God or choose the commandments of man. Choose death or choose life. Choose suffering or choose comforts. And it's a cunning plan by the devil because uh, one option uh, is so easy. That option leads to eternal disaster. It's cunning because it it tempts Christians to give up eternal joy with Christ, all for a few decades of comfort here on earth. This temptation makes you think, I might as well just give up Jesus. 
This just isn't worth it. This tactic by the devil makes you fear death more than it makes you fear hell. And Jesus is showing us the true reality behind all this. It's the devil. And Jesus says, don't fall for it. Don't give in to it. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. But rather, end of verse 10, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. These are Jesus' emergency words to the church. And to us today, this is the big thing, big final thing Jesus says, do not fear, be faithful. Do not fear, be faithful. Now, all of this, it might seem foreign to us, uh, pretty unrealistic to us, perhaps. We're not Smyrna. uh, We're not North Korea. uh, And in one sense, that is true. (laughs) Uh, Things aren't too severe in the UK right now. And so we should pray for those countries, pray for the church in North Korea and Afghanistan and Libya and Somalia. Pray that they would not fear what's coming to them. Pray that they would be faithful to Jesus. But this letter is for us too. And at the very least, Jesus says these words to prepare us. Because the tide is turning in this country in many ways. And it's particularly in the area of sexual ethics and gender that that Christians are really going to feel the heat. And so we do need to hear what Jesus says to us uh, when that time comes. And Jesus says to us, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Jesus says, when crunch time hits, when the police come knocking at your door, when the boss calls you into the office, when the news cameras start rolling in your face... Jesus says, I command you to do something. Do not fear. Do not fear. He says, this isn't out of control. Don't be scared thinking, uh, I'm not in charge here. Remember, I am the first and the last. But also, Jesus says, don't fear what what they might do to you. So look at the end of verse 10. Uh, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Uh, Jesus says here there are two deaths you can experience. You can experience death at the end of this life. Uh, That's death from like old age or illness, or in this case, maybe martyrdom. Uh, That is the first death. But Jesus says there's something called the second death. And the second death hurts. And it's a lot worse than the first death. The second death is hell. It's the lake of fire. And Jesus says here, do not fear the first death. If you fear it, if you fear that first death, you will forget to fear about the second death. You will prefer to avoid the first death rather than the second death. And the second death is the one you want to be scared about. Fear that, Jesus says. Avoid that. Because the first death, it's really not that significant compared to the eternal second death. Do not fear what you might suffer. But rather, be faithful, even to the point of death. And being faithful means... I would rather die, 
I would rather die the first death than deny my saviour Jesus. I would rather die than bow down to another god. And that may mean poverty. That may mean big hits with your job or your friends. But Jesus says, do not fear. Be faithful. And to the one who is faithful, Jesus says, I will give you the crown of life. And at the end of verse 11, the one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Christ says, all your bruises and slander and suffering, it's not in vain. Eternal life awaits you. You might experience the first death. But to those who are faithful, you will never be hurt by the second death. Christ has his hand over your life now and over your life for eternity. He's the first and the last. He holds the crown of eternal life and he waits to crown you. He waits to crown you. And so let's be faithful to the one who is so faithful to us. Let me pray. Lord God, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the first and the last, who reigns over death, and in whom is our salvation and eternal life. And Lord, we pray that we would be faithful to him, that we would not fear uh, death, that we would not fear what man can do to us, but uh, we would be faithful to the Lord Jesus. And we pray that you would uh, help us to do that. Be with us today, be with us this week, and be with us for the rest of our lives to, to be faithful to Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.